songs when I feel this way. I grab my guitar and I play. I got the Merle Haggard blues today. He grew up in a boxcar in Oildale by the railroad track. His daddy died when he was eight years old. He had a hard time with that. Ghoulish greetings to you all. Hoping this new year has been treating you good. So far for me, it's been good. Those tunes you just heard are courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. I have an awesome gal from Washington joining me today. While growing up in Southern California, Bree Blackstone discovered her interest with how people passed on from this life and wanting to know where they were when their final mortal remains were placed. This interest continued as Bree moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, leading to many adventures to places with her dad, enjoying those car rides to unknown places, and her friends scratching their heads as Bree drove them from state to state, roaming into people's backyards, with their permission, hiking to the tops of the mountains, trying to find side-of-the-road markers, all to find people's resting places and the places they transitioned from this life to the next. There is a lot to learn about a person and how they were cared for after their passing, but there is also a lot to learn from the places they passed. Sometimes the buildings or places have more to say than anyone has the words for. Bree Blackstone, welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure is all mine. So, Bree, how did you first get interested in the paranormal and supernatural? It's such an amazing field. Oh, goodness. My dad was really big into the psychic stuff. Mm. So, I had a experience when I was little I this will be the first time I've ever really talked about it other than with my dad when I was little uh my I so we lived in a a tri-level house and my bedroom was kind of catty-quartered to my dad and I remember waking up in the middle of the night and opening the door and I should preface by saying that my mom passed away when I was a year and a half so I don't I never I don't really have any memories of my mom oh wow but I walked in and I saw my mom laying next to my dad. And I was just, she was kind of glowing. And I, I just remember that. And I just kind of closed the door. I didn't really know what to make of it. I was just like, maybe I'm dreaming. Like, <laughs> this is weird. I don't know what's happening. And I closed the door and went back to my room. And the next day I kind of told my, I didn't kind of tell my dad. I did tell my dad. And he was like, Okay. (laughs) Really? That's all we have to say right now? And and, um, he was just like, well, there are things beyond this. And I was like, okay. And that's, I could probably say that's where I was like, what's happening here? Like, what? Because I grew up, growing up, always took me to church. So I always believed there was something beyond this. 
And I have someone very close to me that sees people once they pass. So, so it's never been, and he's been open and talks about it. So I just always, like, this has always just been a fact to me that that there is something beyond this. Whether we can see them or not or communicate with them or not, I believe they're around us all the time. And we always joke about, I hate to say this, but we always joke about uh, watching, like, television with the paranormal investigators. And we're always like, why do they wait till nighttime? They're with us all the time. You know what? I couldn't agree more with you, Bree. That is like such a great point. I know some paranormal investigators who will literally just record, like do investigations at night. And I've been investigating the paranormal for over 10 years. And I have to say that unless I have something scheduled where it's like, okay, I'm going to be at Waverly Hills from, from six at night till six in the morning and it's planned. I'm not trespassing. It's like, you know, I got the okay. I'm doing this. I'll do night investigations till I'm blue in the face. But a lot of the times you got to get clearance. You got to, you know, it's like, unless you're okay with like trespassing, which I'm not, they call me Sheriff Tessa for a reason. I <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, my mom even makes fun of me. Okay, Sheriff Tessa. But no, seriously, I'm like, you know, down to the book. I'm not going to do this if I'm not supposed to. And I love doing day investigations. I have gotten phenomenal results, photographic evidence, EVPs, different things like that during the day. And you're right there. It's not like they punch in the clock and go, okay, it's a uh, 630 on the dot. I'm on now. It's like, no, they're here yeah. all the time for sure. And so First of all, I do want to say sorry about the passing of your mother. You're just not even two years old when she passed, and I just can't even imagine. But that's so amazing that you actually saw her just laying there beside your father. What an encounter that was. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's weird because when you're a little kid, you really find to think, maybe I'm seeing things. Like, maybe I'm not fully awake. Maybe something weird is happening. Yeah. But... Because I think I was, like, in kindergarten or first grade when that happened. And my dad my dad and I talked a little bit about it, gosh, a couple years later, because I said something about it offhandedly. And he says, well, you know, Grandma, he said she could walk into a room, like we would have the Ouija board out, and we would play with it, they would play with it as little kids. But he says we would have it out on the table and not even be touching it. And grandma would walk into the room and he says that thing would just go crazy. Wow. So he says that, you know, there's, there's different levels. He really, he really believed in the psychic ability of people. And he himself, my dad even had an out of body experience. Wow. So, yeah. So he, he, what he said was when he was little, he was just sitting there on the floor, and then all of a sudden, he was viewing himself from the ceiling. And he said that was a trip. <laughs> Not to use, like, old school language, but he said that it was a very, you know, it was a very awakening moment for him in the abilities of the human spirit and body. So the fact that if there's people hanging out would not surprise anybody, I don't think. 
Right. And that is incredible. I, you know, it started happening to me like a couple of years, like a few years ago, probably when a friend of mine passed and I all of a sudden, like, say like, here's a great example. I would go to the grocery store and I would have a conversation with somebody. Well, later on during the day, I would just be sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden it's like I would be in this trance and I would see it happening, but I was up above, like not an out of body experience, but like almost like, okay, my friend, this is what he saw, you know, like he was following me in spirit and this is what he saw. Like I was seeing this through his eyes, but it was me. Like, oh, wow. it's really weird. And it still happens to this day, not nearly as often, but that's just like really, really wild. But yeah, it sounds like your dad was a very spiritual person himself and uh, he was spiritual. He was not religious by any means. He used to always just, he, I don't want to say what exactly what he would say, but he was spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotcha. I know before we were recording, you were talking a little bit about your dad and kind of something neat had happened, like this, like, encounter between you and him. Would you like to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So my dad passed away in 2017, and my my dad was very claustrophobic, mm. especially as he got older. He, he It was present before he got sick, but as he got older, it became very, very, very a big thing in his life. He oh. did not like small spaces. So when he passed, it was a while before he got cremated. We switched funeral homes, and because my family, my my other family member, did not feel comfortable where we originally had him, mm. and I'm all about I need to make sure that the people that are around me feel at peace too with the whole process. So. So we moved funeral homes to someplace that was more comfortable yeah. to us as a whole. And my he was going to be cremated. Well, he it was 13 days before he was cremated. And that's not abnormal on the West Coast. It's very abnormal on the East Coast. But I could hear him in my, in my head screaming, and not screaming, but he was very strongly talking to me going, could you please get me out of this concrete space? I need to get out of this place. Just get me to where I need to be. Why am I still here? Like, I, this is really small, and I don't like it. Oh. Get me out of this cooler. Wow. And I was just like, I was told, I told my friend, I was just like, Dad does not want to be here anymore. <laughs> he just wants to get to where he needs to be. Oh. He does not like where he is. And so, luckily, you know, he is now where he needs to be. So, he's much happier. He hasn't talked to me like that since then. But, yeah, I could just hear him in my little brain going, could you please get me out of here? I just need to go. <laughs> I just want to get out of here. So, oh, yeah. bless his heart. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's neat that you were able to actually hear him. You know, you were actually able to hear him and you were actually able to help communicate and say, look, we need to do something. He's not happy right now. He's quite, you know, you're claustrophobic in life. You are in death too. And that makes sense to me. You know, it's like, just like if you were a super sweet old lady grandma who baked cookies, it's like, you're going to be that sweet little old lady in death too, you know, but yeah, that makes sense. And so that was neat that you were actually able to communicate for somebody who can't 
speak for himself at this point, you know, and you were able to get the ball rolling again. Yeah, so, well, it was just you have to wait until that whole process, however long, uh, you know, however long the process is going to take. There may be several reasons why it takes so long, but, yeah, I was just happy to get him where he needs to be, and he's much happier now. Well, good for you. What a good feeling for sure. And has he, you said he hasn't talked to you like that since that he's uncomfortable, but has he talked to you since? I had some dreams where he's showed up, you know, it's just like little things. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like I had, I had a dream where I was at a music festival and he was sitting on the grass with me and he was talking to me about something, but I was so like, just distracted by, I'm hungry. (laughs) What is happening? So I don't know if that was him trying to talk to me and me just not listening or um, if it was just, if it was just a memory of wishing that he was still here. But there are times, I think that our parents in our lifetime teach us really strong life lessons. Yeah. And I think regardless if they talk to us or not, I think that those lessons are which make them immortal in our lives. And we can hear them tell us those lessons throughout our lifetime. Yeah. I, you know, my dad, before he passed, there was a really strong moment where the doctors had said, you know, you have to get prepared. And I was not ready for that. Like, I was like, this is not the way this is happening. Right. And I was sitting there with my dad that night and, and he woke up and he just took a hold of my hand and he just said, you figure it out, Bree. You just mm. figure it out. And the next morning, I just hit the ground running and I became like a bull in the, in the hospital saying, this is what we're going to do. And during a certain time since then, I've, I've heard him say that in my brain where I get really frustrated with something or I get really like stuck. And I just hear him in my brain. Do you just figure it out, Bree? Just it out and I'm just like okay I can do this (laughs) wow and that's incredible that's you know I mean I think that's very special and important you know I mean seems like it really helped you during this process of his passing or you know before his passing and stuff and then even to this day I think that's a very special piece of advice and you know that you'd still hear him he's there and then he sees when you're flustered or upset or angry and he's just kind of like, okay, sweetheart, just remember, you know, and then it kind of brings you back to reality. And I think that's really cool. I think that's an amazing gift from spirit. Absolutely. And, um, I think, you know, you just mentioned like he comes to you in dreams sometimes. I love visitation dreams. I just, I, I've had those before too. And they're so special. It's just like, I just love how there's so many ways spirit, is able to communicate with you, whether it's through phantom smells or, you know, here's an apparition, you know, here I am, or just different things. Or just like your sweet little voice in the head saying, hey, you know, this is what's going yeah. on or whatever. I think it's really, I think it's a really neat thing. And not everybody gets to experience it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would be really sad if every once in a while he didn't show up. Yeah. I, my latest one was we were on a car trip and we were just talking about life. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we were just on one of our mini car trips because dad was always my road trip buddy, especially like with his disabilities as he got older. I was always like, let's go on a road trip. And it got him out of the house. And, you know, he got to see people and 
got to do different things. So that was just something that we always did together. And so that was kind of cool just to have a dream like that where we were literally just on a road trip and just talking about life. That is cool. That's and so I uh, whenever I have somebody on my on my podcast, I like to kind of like I call it just kiddingly Facebook stock. I like to kind of go on their page and just like see if there's like any interesting things. And I didn't watch the video, but it seems like there was a video of you and your dad. And was I imagining things? But or was there like a gorgeous green parrot on your dad's shoulder? Yes. That was Tripper. <laughs> Fortunately, after Dad passed, he passed shortly after that. Oh. Um, so he was Dad's bird. And yes, but Tripper was with us. Tripper was our road trip parrot. We used to take him everywhere with <laughs> and including into restaurants. Wow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure on some restaurants you're like, what is that? What, <laughs> you know, but Dad would just, just put him on the front of Dad's scooter and and he would just go around with us. So whenever we went into, like, restaurant or a museum or anything, he was just on the front of his and, and he just went places with us. And on once we were in the car, he was up on Dad's shoulder or on my shoulder, and he would just ride along. We learned over time he didn't like motorcycles or bicycles. And we could not figure out why, but he just didn't like them. But he was so cute. He would just. He would sit up there, and then when we'd lower the window, he would raise his wings like he was flying. It was super cute. And I oh, that's him adorable. a lot. But unfortunately, he ended up with, they didn't know if it was a fungal infection or cancer. Mm. And unfortunately, he passed away shortly after Dad. And that was oh. one of those times where I had a big conflict of, do I, do I try everything I can and and try to save my dad's bird because it's like it's like losing a part of my dad all over. Right. And you know, doctors are saying this may not even work, or do I let him go peacefully? And a friend of mine who is a medium, I went to her and I said, I really don't know what to do in this situation. I, you know, I'm coming to you as a friend. I don't really know what to do. He goes, she goes, what I can tell you is your dad says it's okay and that he's waiting for him. Oh. And wow. at that point, I just went then I'm going to be there for Tripper and let him pass on. Because he was, you know, there comes a decision. And I I hate to say that because I I miss him terribly. But um, those are choices sometimes that you have to make. And it was good to know that my dad was saying it's okay. Like Absolutely. You know, for me, it's like animals... They're not just pets, you know, they're our furry loved ones. They're part of our family. And it is really a sad thing when we when we lose them. And I know it's hard when it's like, okay, there there's health issues and they're it's not like they're like dying in their sleep. It's like, what do we do? Like it's like, you know, you wanna keep them, but then you don't want them to be hurting and stuff. And especially like you said, this was your your father's loyal pet so it was like losing your dad all over again but again that like you know message from spirit that it's like he came through just saying look he's not going to be alone i'm here i'm waiting for him we'll be reunited and we'll both kind of be looking after you now and stuff and so i know it must have been really hard to do that but that's i mean just to know that they're reunited that's that was a good gift for tripper you know and, and for your dad 
Yeah. So sorry, like you went from the video to like this whole like. No, I no, I I wanted to hear it. That's cool. <laughs> For but sure. I appreciate that because that video, because uh, we've talked about Yuma. Yes. Uh, that video was actually taken in the cemetery uh, just outside of Yuma, where so Yuma Territorial Prison has their own cemetery, and then down the road because I'm always cemetery hunting. Yes. Uh, down the road is another cemetery where they buried the prisoners from the local jail. So we went there, and that's actually where that video was filmed, was we were sitting in a cemetery. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah, you used wish people happy me. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, yeah. You know, it was funny, because when I was doing this whole Yuma territorial prison episode i don't even remember when i did that it was earlier in the summer several months ago and Uh i remember i was like trying to just like reach out to people going hey paranormal friends family somebody's had to be there i want to go there i you know i love when i like have to do research and look deep into the history of these places and i learned so much but i'm like man it's not the same as being there so it's fun to actually track somebody down and go okay you've been to to yuma let's talk about it and stuff and so talk about your your yuma adventure if you will like what was the prison like did you feel anything and what were the cemeteries like i just love all that kind of stuff and like you i'm always looking for cemeteries in any type of burial ground <laughs> yeah so i so it's gonna sound ridiculous but i wanted to go to yuma because i watched three times in yuma i was always like we have to go to this place. I don't know anything about this place, but it's just this horrible prison nobody wants to go to. Love that movie. So, I know. So my dad had never been there, so we we were like, okay, you know, I have New Year's off, let's just go. Mm. So we loaded up the car and we went, and I was kind of surprised. So one of the things that surprised me, so when you go up, to the state territorial prison you enter and there's this huge courtyard and the prison is like literally behind this other wall to your left and there's a museum that's beautiful it it tells you a lot about the history and a lot about the prisoners that were there they have huge signs on the wall where you can literally read why people were there and i remember there were some very violent women there yeah (laughs) i was just like what in the world happened and i was really shocked over how so when you go up to the end of the courtyard there's a steep drop off to the waterway below and they tell you about the ships that would come in or the boats would come in to drop people off and pick people up and cargo carriers and stuff like that and I'm like thinking how did they fit through this waterway because it's like not the biggest of waterways and it's pretty rocky but then you have to remember that this is now we're in our 20 we're in the 2000s and so water you know waterways change so anyway so I went into the prison and it's a pretty southwest prison Hmm. it's stark it's going to be hot and, and you can feel that from the minute that you walk in, even though we were there in the new year, you could tell that it's just hot. It's going to be hot. And they do something that I'm not a fan of with prisons. And I, and I found this at Montana Territorial Prison and Idaho 
prison and also Wyoming Territorial Prison, they like to put mannequins in in prison cells. And I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. Just because I I have a few incidents where I'll go around and I'm like, I'm intently looking at something and all of a sudden there's a person there and I kind of jump because I'm like, Wait, why is there a person here? Right. <laughs> um, but there is a, back in the back, there is the hole. And if you go, just be aware the bats like to hang out in the hole. Oh, wow. <laughs> just be aware of that. But you do get a very distinct feeling of sadness. And if you allow yourself to feel, like some people shut down when they're in places like that, but in the, in the whole, what I felt was very strong anger, and in their area where they're dining, I think it was a dining hall, but there's a back area, and, and that's what I really remember. I, I didn't have any instances where gates opened by themselves or... There's too much when there's when you're down there and there's so many people. You never want to, and I'm sure that you've experienced this too. You never want to say something is paranormal because there's so much there's so much activity already, which is normal people yeah. affecting the area that you're in. So uh, those are the two strong feelings that I remember: is anger when I was in the hole, and then getting startled by the bat, <laughs> and then and then <laughs> the sadness that I felt in that back area that's just open area and I want to say it's a dining hall but I don't remember if that's what it was it was just this open area where a building used to be and it was just sadness totally I could totally get where you're coming from with that stuff like every time I go somewhere where there's been obviously a lot of death whether it's Waverly Hills and speaking of bats Waverly Hills is filled with them too so if you ever go there they're always dancing with you and it's amazing how close they can get to you without hitting you but you could still feel like like you know when oh, they're the flap wind. yeah yeah the wind from their wings i'm like oh my god really but um amazing creatures for sure but yeah you definitely dance with the bats but yeah i feel like those places it's like you feel the death you feel the depression you feel the despair in the air you know and it is really interesting. It's like so thick that even if you're not a paranormal investigator or into the paranormal, it's like, how can you not go somewhere like that where thousands of people have died and not feel an ounce of anything? You know, it's just wild. Yeah, it's crazy. But some people have the ability to do that. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just, it's it's kind of, an, I, I wish sometimes, that I had the ability to shut down your empathetic readings, but because I was in customer service for so long when I lived in Vegas, like you have to read people. And I think that, that I've never shut that off. So even if I don't see the person, you can still feel them. Right. So I, I, yeah. I just, I wish sometimes I could just be like, I'm just going to shut, <laughs> shut down and be like, I just want to enjoy this place. <laughs> I know. I've been there, too, where it's just kind of like, okay, <laughs> need to take a break real quick. But speaking of seeing people, I know on the Halloween episode, I had several people on, including you, and you talked about how you saw a full-bodied apparition of a man while you were on the phenomenal Queen Mary. Was that, have you seen other, you know, apparitions as well? 
So that was my only full body apparition that I've ever seen. Like, literally, I thought it was a person. Yeah. I actually can't say that because I saw a soldier in the woods when I was in Yorktown Mm. in Virginia. I can't actually say. I saw a glimpse of them. So here's, so it's going to sound really weird. I, I was thinking, like, that's my only full body. But I actually remembered that, so I was driving on the back road. So when you're in Yorktown, they give you, like, a little CD that you can listen to, and you take this long tour hmm. into, like, the backwoods areas. And I was just driving along, and you're driving, like, 15, 10, 15 miles an hour listening to the CD, and you're out in the woods. And I remember I was driving along, and I looked up in my rearview mirror, and I saw a guy in full—it wasn't clean by any chance. It was just, like, this hazy— you couldn't tell if it was blue or gray because it was so dirty. Yeah. Um, and I remember his little hat being, like, so worn, and he had a neckerchief. And I remember <laughs> the facial hair. And I saw him in my rear view, and I literally stopped the car. And I looked ahead, and I like I was like, and I looked back, and I was like, I need to back up. I, I don't know what I just saw. But I just, when I looked back, there was nothing else there. And I... I was like, you know what, I'm just going to let that person be. If that's what they're doing and that's where they are, they don't need me chasing them through the woods. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, oh, I that's pretty like, neat. That's amazing. So yeah. I wonder, it makes you wonder, like, what he was, like, you know, Confederate or that's interesting. Or Union. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you go through places like that, Yorktown and Gettysburg and, Fredericksburg and all of those places, they all have a really heavy sense to them as as Americans. I get very patriotic when I go back east, just learning about all of that. And I just like, this is where our country was found. Like when you get to Yorktown, you're like, this is where they surrendered and this is where we claimed our country. And this is kind of like, this is amazing. This is like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is where we became America. And so you get this very heavy awareness of the loss, the what people dedicated their being to, to create something that we now have the joy of living within. And I get very emotional when I go back there, and it's just... No, I can understand. I can't really put it into, yeah, I'm like, I can't really put it into words, but when you stand on those battlefields and you think, yeah. this is where people, like, took their last breath. I mean, whether, yeah. I mean, there's other battlefields around the world that, you know, but it's, it's kind of like, it, you become very aware and very present in that moment of, I have a result, I actually live in the result of this now. Right. No, I totally get that for sure. It is eerie. And it, I, you know, I live in North Carolina part of the time. And so there's a bunch of battlefields out there where I'm at. And oh, yeah. I'm super jealous right now. Huh? <laughs> I'm super jealous. I want to go to, I want to go to like, so I haven't gone any further south than Virginia. I haven't gone to North Carolina, South Carolina. I've been to, uh, I've been to the Atlanta airport. But I've been like, and then I've been to Mississippi and Louisiana and stuff, but I haven't been to like that part, like North, South, Georgia, Florida. So I'm like, I'm super jealous because you can just hop in the car and go. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, and not only that, but when I drive back to Colorado, I drive, I don't fly. So there's 2,000 miles of just seeing old dilapidated buildings and, and you know, battlefields and a bunch of stuff. I mean, the it's pretty phenomenal for sure. There's a lot to take in and a lot to see. And hey, anytime you want to go out there, just let me know and we could do some, some exploring out there. But yeah, it's like... Oh, that would be awesome. I always feel, yeah, absolutely. But I always feel like, you know, these people, you think like what you think when you know somebody in your life and they pass away and you see how many people it affects, you know, like kids, the spouse, the friends, like, you know, other relatives, whatever. How I see it is, is like, okay, thousands of these men and some, in some cases, women, they died during these battles, you know, and it's like how many millions of people were affected by that, not only by like, you know, when something horrible happens, like, like September 11th, I think that that screwed with everybody, some more than others, because they actually experienced it where we were seeing it from the TV, but we still felt that loss, we still felt the emotions and cried and stuff. But with it, the and I just kind of totally went off track here, but I think okay. with battlefields, it's the same thing. It's you know, blood was shed, these people died, they probably left behind hus you know, husbands, wives, children, you know, parents, like all these things, and it just it can get emotional for sure. Yeah, and if you think about just how many family lines were just killed out, right? Unfortunately, like yeah, that's the that's the whole line. I mean, if you want like. You watch Saving Private Ryan. The whole reason for going to get the son was because that's the last living male of that family line. And you just think about that in the terms of our history as a country of how many lines ended during that battle or how many families were actually torn apart during during any type of battle. So, yeah, it's kind of an amazing history. And, and what is the, I have to I didn't know that the Civil War went all the way to Arizona. I didn't know that. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I was reading something, and they're like, oh, no, there was like, there was, like, outbreaks of stuff in Arizona and New Mexico, and I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> 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 like, what happened? Yeah, no, that's wild. <laughs> that's absolutely wild. Yeah. So, so, Bree, you know, you're in Washington, right? Yes. So, talk about, if you will, some of the local haunts that you have there like we all have those places you know in small town america or wherever you're from big city small town it's like oh that haunted barn down the road or you know like the haunted pub or you know what have you oh my goodness so i live now in southwest washington so a lot i'm new to the southwest washington so i haven't got into a lot of the places down here yet because COVID has kind of screwed up everything. Right. <laughs> um, so you don't get to meet a lot of people other than work people. So most of the haunted places that I came encounter to with are up in like the Seattle area. There's, you know, I went on the haunted tour up there just to get a feel for what are they considering haunting. And I actually had an experience on their haunted tour. Ooh. They were in the underground part of it. And I, you know, you, they try off all the lights and you're taking pictures, you're taking audio, you're taking whatever. And I saw, and I, I was standing there and I saw the shadow like walk right 
was like right in front of us. And I looked at the tour guide like, did, did, um, <laughs> did you just, did you just move? And they're like, no. And they're like, did you just see it? And I was like, the, the shadow thing? And she's like, yeah. And I said, okay, good. I'm not the only one that just saw the shadow thing. Wow. <laughs> you know, when, when you're in a dark space like that, and they turn off the lights like that, and you actually see shadows. Like, trying to explain to people that you can see shadows in the pitch dark is kind of weird. But it's it was one of those moments. But for me, I hate to say this, but, like, some of the haunting places that I... I don't know how deep down that I want to go. So, so like, we've had lots of serial killers up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. There's also a lot of killings up in the Pacific... I don't know why... I don't know why, like, every true pri- pri- podcast that I listen to, there's, they're always like, and we're back in the Pacific Northwest again. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, you go to places like where Bundy had victims, or you go to... The Green River Killer. And the Green River Killer. Yeah. And you just get the sense of just terror. Yeah. I need to say it. I, I, you just get a sense of terror. So, but I, you know, for local legends and stuff like that, I mean, hey, there's... Hey, Bree, I need to cut you off yeah. real quick. Okay, is there okay. somebody with you? No. Okay. <laughs> I just, um, I have what's, what I call EVP ear. And just like a few seconds ago, I heard a man whispering what sounded like speak up. Like, I don't know. Well, I'll have to listen to it after the fact when I'm like editing or whatever. But yeah, I heard a man. Oh, that's, that's creepy. I've, I've, I've had that before where like, I'll like, you know, I'll be recording and then like, sometimes I'll hear it right away, but sometimes it takes to where I'm editing and I hear it, but yeah, I definitely, and it doesn't necessarily, it's not a bad thing. You know, I just, yeah, spirits, uh, as you said earlier, spirits always there. <laughs> yep. They're always around. <laughs> Sorry. I interrupted I you. <laughs> no worries. I don't know what you want me to speak up about. <laughs> I know. Right. Like, okay. Like be more, uh, act, like, you know, tell us more, be more specific. <laughs> I know. I, I wish that I, I wish that I had like specific things think like have I <laughs> was there just a clicking yeah okay I'm trying to think like local haunt like because <laughs> most of them I oh man you know I spent four years in Seattle and I'm still kind of like going well, and see, it's interesting because you mentioned Seattle and it's funny that you mentioned serial killers. Like that that's like one thing I'm like obsessed with true crime. I'm obsessed with the paranormal. And so I have a lot of books about like, you know, true crime and serial killers and like, you know, like haunted places and stuff. But before you even mentioned serial killers, I was even thinking, okay, Seattle, Green River Killer. It just seems like there's like so many like in places like that where prostitutes or soil doves to be more appropriate, I guess, soil doves were being, you know, taken and, you know, disposed of, dispatched. It's, it seems like, yeah, like you said, the, the feeling of like dread of pure, absolute terror. And it's unfortunate because I hate to say it, but people like that, they, it's almost like a thing where it's like, okay, 
I know that even though they have families, they might be estranged or haven't talked or runaways or whatever. So these people won't be missed, at least not right away, you know? And to me, I think that's like, I don't know, like you, when you walk down the strip and you see, okay, these women were here, they were taken and they were killed. It it makes you wonder, like, are they still there? You know, like, do you feel that? residual energy it's just i don't know to me i kind of think of those things you know what before before when i was like thinking about talking to you about all of this i was thinking about like all the things that we as humans put ourselves in situations where we don't it's not that we want to experience it but we want to see the aftermath of it so like when we go on tours uh such as like Jack the Ripper in London, or we go on uh, the Green River tour, or we go on, you know, Gacy, or we go, when we go on these tours to see the aftermath of such horrific things, Yeah, we as humans are kind of drawn to, I don't know if we're drawn to how can somebody do that to another human being, or if we're drawn to... What, what what must it have been like? I mean, even when I was in Louisiana, when I went to New Orleans, I mean, I one of the top things that I wanted to do, and it was actually the first thing that I did when I was there, I went to the Museum of Death. And I was like, I have to go see this place. Like, what is going on in here? <laughs> and, you know, it's just what it is that are we hoping that they, are we hoping that the people that were part of this horrific uh, incident peace are we hoping that they left a message for us are we hoping that you know we can connect with them and know that they're okay is it about that makes us go back and want to see these places or experience these places or and I always I always find that very interesting no I do too absolutely and like you said it's not just people in the United States like you brought up a great you brought up a great point it's in the united kingdom and everywhere too just like jack the rip and like you said human nature we're just very curious about all that stuff it's like i I don't know it's just it's like a morbid curiosity kind of thing but yeah i also i've had a lot of people I've had a handful of people in my life from uh, um, two school friends to one of my really good friends here in Colorado were murdered um, on different occasions and stuff. And I think one of them by a serial killer. And so I think with that too, I, I don't know why I've just always had this like weird, I don't want to say obsession, but this weird thing with death. And even to this day, when somebody in my life dies, people around me are like, well, you're a paranormal investigator. You you deal with this stuff all the time. You should be used to this. I'm like, I'm like, no, because naturally I'm, I'm sensitive. So I am so affected when, when somebody close to me dies. Like I, I pull out every single picture I have of them. I think of every memory. I write things down. I visit them religiously at the cemetery. I... It's like, you know, it's like almost like I feel like a part of me dies. And so Mm -hmm. it's just really, it's weird. I'm like, I wish I weren't like that. You know, I mean, I suffer and it's like, people are like, you know, you need to uh, stop being obsessed with the dead and start being obsessed with just like living because sometimes it takes it out of you and stuff. And, and it's true. I'm like, so 
the energy, it's like my life, I feel so drained a lot of the times, but you know, it's, it is what it is, I guess. We got to take what we get. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to, Mal, uh, I'm really sorry to hear about the loss of your friends. Thanks. You have to learn to balance. You have to have laughter along with the tears. And that's what I learned. And, you know, it's just, and some people will say, well, that's kind of inappropriate. Well, <laughs> I tell you, like, there's some days where I, if I didn't laugh, I wouldn't make it through the day. Yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. Um, there's sometimes, you know, you just have to say things that are kind of off the cuff to people. And they, some of them will just be like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's okay yeah. to laugh. It's okay to, you know, and that's one of those things, like, I when I go, when I lost loved ones and were at funerals, there's, you know, I'm like a idiot crying in the corner, like, and not an idiot, but you know what I mean? Like, you're like the one that people can't talk to. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just crying. I've been there, and, yeah. Um, but then there's, like, times where, like, after afterward, like, after the, when you're having the repast or you're having, you know, your social or your get-together, you know, and you'll just start cracking jokes, and some people are just like, what happened? Like, wait, like 10 minutes ago, you were crying in the corner. What happened? And you just realized that, you know, there comes a point where you're just like, I have to laugh. I yeah. have to like, I have to let the light in. But I don't think, so that's one of the things I have to say this. This is one of the things that irks me when people say you're obsessed with death. I hate when people say that to people because, there is a big difference between death ideology and being curious and studying the actual what happens next. Yeah. There is definitely, like, people have labeled it as death culture, people that are obsessed with uh, obsessed with death. And I, I really hate that labeling because because that's not fair to those people. It's not fair to people that are like I, every road trip I go on, I'm going to some sort of cemetery. I mean, even on this weekend, I went to a cemetery because that's where I went. And I was, you know, every cemetery, the way that I look at cemeteries is this is the history of people. Yeah. This is literally a museum that you can go through. You can go through town's museums and you can see, what year did they get hit really bad with the flu? What year did a what year did a did a sickness come through? What year did you know? And you can literally just go through and find out the history of people. And I and I find that very interesting. And I find the the beliefs that people have very interesting, and the the culture in which we treat people once they passed interesting. I always find that. I truly believe that the way that a society cares for their dead speaks a lot about that society. There are people that are buried in pauper's graves that will never have a headstone. They will never be known to anybody in the outside world. A lot of times, so cemeteries, even today's cemeteries, have places where indigents go. And a lot of the times, they people don't even know that they're walking on them. They don't even know that there's people underneath there. Yeah. And I find that deeply sad because uh, that person lived and 
regardless of their circumstances in life, they lived. And I find that very sad. Absolutely. Yeah, we just can't even as a society put like a concrete marker down that just says Jane Doe or unknown or, and then you go through like other cemeteries where they do have markers that just says unknown. But so when I think about when people label stuff as people being obsessed with death or being, I think that, I, I don't know, I can't speak for yourself, but like when I study things like that, when I study what does this headstone marker mean or what is, you know, what does this culture believe, what are their, what are their death ceremonies, what are, you know, what do they do to honor their dead or how do they prepare the body or how do they, I don't consider that part of it. I consider that learning about a culture and learning about how they honor that. And I, I think that really, I, we're not in me. I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't know about you. I don't think that we're out there going that we're obsessed with that. Like when people say that, I always think that people are thinking that people are literally sitting the whole day away thinking about their own death and their own demise and their own. And I'm like, people aren't doing, I mean, they're, they're probably somebody out there that is, I'm not going to say a hundred percent that there's not somebody out there that's literally doing that. But I think for the majority of people, there's, there's a curiosity of what lays beyond. If the people are still here, how can we help them find peace? What did this culture, what happened during those last moments that made them want to stay? What did society do with them? I mean, there's a great thing where, like, Edgar Allan Poe's mom, I'm sorry, I'm a big, am really intrigued with the passing of Edgar Allan Poe. I really, I really, in my lifetime, I wish we could nail it down what actually killed him. Yeah. We probably never will. (laughs) But Edgar Allan Poe's mom, she was stage actress and and so on and so forth and and she was really an outcast of society but they loved her so much just as a person they buried her on the outskirts of a churchyard even though that was a non you couldn't do that Hmm. um and so you have to think about that society they took this person that should have been an outcast and they went against what the standard was for that day to do to honor this person and I really find that is just, to me, that's all part of the culture of, of that death ritual or that death. I really don't want to use the word culture. <laughs> um, yeah. But I just, I, you know, it's kind of, but yeah, so it really, but at the end of the story is it really annoys me when people say that people are obsessed with death because we're all going to die. We're, I mean, that's the end result. We're all going to live. We're all going to die, regardless if we drop dead today or whether we drop dead 30 years from now. We are all going to die. And the end result is that more. I personally am very scared of my own passing. And and it's just the thought of not being here. Like, what, what happened? Like, you just don't know what happened. Like, I, have, I believe that there is a heaven. I believe that I hope I get to go there, but what if I get stuck here? What am I going to do if I get stuck here? (laughs) Yeah. I'm totally like, I don't know. It's funny. Like for me, I, it's, it's interesting. I go back and forth. Like sometimes I'm kind of like, 
I'm afraid to die. Like, I don't, I don't want to die. But then there's other parts of me that are like, why are you afraid? You shouldn't be afraid. Because honestly, I've had so many people in my life, family and friends pass away that I know more dead people than I do the living. And so, and I, I strongly believe that, you know, you are reunited with your loved ones and your, even your furry loved ones. And I just like think that that would be such a wonderful and special reunion. And then another part of me is like, I want to be reunited with them, but I want to kind of stick around here for a while as a spirit. Like I, I always kind of make fun of like make fun of myself and like kid around with people going, don't mess with me. I'll put you on my list of people to haunt when I die. And I do have a list. And so I, um, which is kind of like, you know, messed up in a way, but it's like, oh yeah, like for real, like I want to do that, you know, and I want to be like the, uh, you know, I just, uh, to me, another thing that is so weird and is really, I don't know, it's, it's weird, but like you go to funerals and you see like the, like you said, I'm one of those people too. I'm crying. I'm inconsolable some of the times. And then there's other times where I'm like, okay, remember when so-and-so did this, that was hilarious, you know? And, um, but I, I love to I, I love to see the interactions with people. You know, you feel so much love and I feel that person's presence who were mourning. And it's like I would like I know it's probably like really stupid to say, but I would love to be there at my own funeral. I would love to see people laughing, going, God, Tessa was such a crazy person, you know, or like, you know, remember when she did this or whatever? Like, I would love to see and I know that it might even sound inappropriate, but I would love to kind of just be there and like stock my own funeral. I can tell you from talking to my person that sees people that there are quite a number of people that do that, that are hanging out at their own funeral and yeah. just laughing it up with the rest of them. So, you know, I think, so as we, I believe there's a heaven and I believe, I hope I get to reunite with my fuzzy people because I miss some of my fuzzy people, even though they haunted me after they passed. <laughs> <laughs> but I also believe that we get to come back. I believe that. I believe I've had too many instances where I've met people where I'm like, I know you. I've never met you ever in this life, but I know you. And I've had too many of them say to me, do I know you? And we're, you know, there's something, there's something like, you know, them on a different level. I believe that sometimes we get sent back for whatever reason to either help somebody or guide somebody or, you know, maybe there's something, a lesson that we need to learn. Yeah. But I truly believe that. And I think that's also where deja vu comes from. It's like, wait, I've done this before. Why have I done this before? I've never done this before. That's all we know. I, I have an extrinsic belief in heaven. I had an incident where when I was in middle school, my friend at the time had a cousin and she unfortunately passed away. But she was a little girl, and her mom came to us one day and told us the story that she, the little girl was counting in the hospital, and she said she asked her what she was counting, and she said all the little angels. Wow! And and I I just for a little kid to be able to say I was like there has to be something beyond this. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and seeing my mom at such a young age and yeah. So <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so I totally believe that there's something beyond. I just don't want to meet it right now. <laughs> right. Not yet. Anyways, not yet. <laughs> no, I totally, totally get that for sure. Well, Brie, is there any other encounters you would like to talk about before we end this very special episode? So I would love to tell you about an encounter that did not happen to me, but I actually saw it. Me and my family were at the Tower of London. Now, the Tower of London is notoriously haunted. Mm. You know, it's just one of those places that, yeah, it's just notoriously haunted. My family member and I and another family member were walking up the stairs of the White Tower. The White Tower sits, it's the oldest part of the Tower of London, and it sits in the middle of the tower. And we started walking up the stairs, and and my family member just went, just stopped. And I was like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And he was just like, something something does not want me there. And I was just like, oh, okay, are you going to be okay? And he was like, he just stood there for a second. He was like, it's okay, we'll be fine. And I was like, okay, fine. Hmm. So we go up the stairs, and we go into the first room. And the first room was, at that point, they were showing the armor of Henry VIII. Wow. Yeah, and I was like walking around going, this is Henry VIII's armor. Like, like I'm all about Scottish history and British history, and I'm just like, oh, holy Toledo. And... I look over, my family members, like, literally leaned up against the wall, and we had to find him a chair. He could barely stand. And oh, wow. he was like, something does not want me here. And he was, like, pale white. I was like, okay. So he goes, maybe if I just get to another room. So to get to another room, we had to go downstairs. And he was having a hard time getting down the stairs, and, and he got down to the next floor, and he just had to find his place to sit. And I was like okay, are you doing okay? And I mean, he's like sweating and just sheet white. And he's like, I need to leave. Like, I need to leave right now. Hmm. And so we're trying to tell the doses, we got to leave. And they're like, you just got to keep going. We're like, no, you're not understanding. (laughs) Like, we have to get out of this building. And they're like, you just have to keep going. Hmm. And we're like, where's the exit? And they go, through the dungeon. Oh, God. (laughs) And we're like, what is happening? So we're like leaving like as fast as we possibly can. Meanwhile, he's like, you know, we're trying to hold on to him to make sure. And we get to the dungeon and it was like everything just released. He said that, you know, it held a lingering effect through probably the next couple days in Scotland. It wasn't until we hit Iona that he felt okay. Wow. He said there was nothing in the dungeon. (laughs) <laughs> just like we have to go through the dungeon and there's nothing in the dungeon um, but he says that sometimes we're talking about it he says sometimes spirits don't want you to be aware that they're there and they can attack you yeah and I was just like and that was the first time I'd ever I've ever heard of that that sometimes spirits just don't want you to know that they're there and I'm just like what <laughs> like <laughs> Why are they hanging out there if they don't want you to know they're there? Right. <laughs> and um, so I just, that was such a scary 
moment I'd never seen anybody been impacted like that before and it was such a scary moment that you know and there's nothing you can do to fight it there's not there's no time that you can just be like stop you need to leave like I truly believe like if you have a spirit that wants to follow you you have the ability to say you're not allowed to follow me you cannot you know you need to stay where you are you're not welcome with me I yeah. believe that you have the power to do that. In this incident, I didn't feel that. I literally felt helpless. Like, there's nothing I can do to protect my family member at right. this point. Whatever is attacking him is attacking him, and I just we just got to get him away from there. But how far do you have to go to get away from there? And like I said, we finally ended up out in Iona, Scotland, which is the birthplace of Christianity for Scotland. And we were doing my, okay, so I'm going to tell you, this is going to be so weird. And so we went out to Iona and I was getting baptized. And this is when he finally says that everything kind of released was we found a quiet little corner and he was like, you know, are you ready to be baptized? And I said, yes. And before he could start, this lady across the cloisters, not knowing what we were doing, started singing Amazing Grace. Huh. Wow. And I, I just started crying. And after she was done, he baptized me. And he says in that moment, everything released off of him. Incredible. And it was, it was just kind of like... Wow, like, and that's why sometimes I worry, so like, me and you have talked a little bit that I don't intentionally go out and paranormal investigate, I, I, I believe if somebody wants to talk to you, they will, and you just have to be open to it, I think things like this have kind of made me aware that spirits can have a longer reach than just their territory, they can affect your psyche, they can affect your body and I've never been the one to be I I don't want to put myself in a situation where I don't know how to protect myself and I think some spirits just want to be left alone (laughs) alone so I always you know if I'm someplace that is that I know is haunted whether it be like I just saw that you were tombstone and I've gone to tombstone yeah and you're at the bird cage and and you're just like you know if you have something to say to me go ahead. (laughs) You know, I really, especially after that incident and then the incident that I had just recently were the traveling spirit that spirits, if they, if they don't have, if they have malintent, I really feel that they can have a longer lasting effect than we're aware of sometimes. And that incident just made me super cautious about about trying to poke things that I don't fully understand that's the easiest way to put it (laughs) no I (laughs) no I totally agree you know I just it is interesting and it's just that's why I just absolutely adore the paranormal it's so unknown and I just think that like people like you and me who were able to you know communicate and I think that it's sad because I think 
I've t- like all the mediums I've talked to have said this too, and I completely agree. Is that I think everybody has the ability, you know, to talk and to communicate with spirit, and whether you close it off or you're just like such a hard-headed skeptic or you know debunker of every single thing possible i think that it's like a gift that you're truly missing out on you know when that's just my like opinion i think if i wasn't able to communicate with spirit or feel them around or see them or or you know experience the things that i've experienced i think my life would be so much sadder you know like to me, it's mm-hmm. like a gift. Just like when you're able to yeah. talk with your father and hear his voice, that's a gift, you know? And I think it's not something that should be taken lightly. I really just, like, adore that kind of thing. And so, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I truly believe also that people have different gifts. Like, mediums are one, senses are another. I have been told by... When I described what happens to me, I got told by a psychic that she—it sounds like I'm clairvoyant. Um, she says, you know, but I really have to concentrate and do meditate to actually strengthen that ability. And I just think that people have different different gifts that they've been given. And if your ability is to talk to spirits or see them or connect with them or that you're sensitive and you can sense that you know, they're in trouble or, you know, or you can see things before they happen or whatever. I think that if we've been blessed with that gift, then we should do whatever we can to support it. So I applaud you on your travels and and getting to talk to people because I think that sometimes spirits get stuck and they don't really know what is happening to them. I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that people... I, we had an interesting conversation the other day, my friends and I, about how many ghosts are just going about their daily lives, and they're like, who are these invaders in my space? Because they don't realize <laughs> that yeah. they've moved on. Right. And we're in our time, but they are... To them, they're in their time. And they're just like, what is going on here? It's kind of like the movie The Others. Who's the ghost of who? Right. Um, you know, so if and sometimes I think that sometimes I think they are just like, what is going on? And maybe they're seeking help to be like, who are these people? And I need to talk to them because they're in my area. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I we were having that conversation the other day, and it was just it was just kind of like it just made us all kind of go, huh? Like that's true if they're just going on and living their daily lives and we're just out of phase from them how many of them are freaked out that we're opening up cabinets and taking stuff out and moving things around right Um, (laughs) so it's just a different concept i have to ask you a question and this popped into my head when you mentioned waverly i really would like to go to waverly but i am curious about your intake with how many people have gone to waverly if there is a chance of people, because people people want to see something, they want to experience something at Waverly, they want to, how much energy has been expelled there? Do you think that all the people that have gone there have manifested something in that building? That's a really good question. Um, I just heard a man again. 
That's crazy. Um, we'll have to listen <laughs> for these men. Talk about Waverly. <laughs> I know. Well, and the funny thing is, is I was just gonna say when I was at Waverly, and like everybody's experiences and encounters are different, and their takes are different when they go somewhere. But when I went to Waverly, my personal experience was I felt a lot of male energy, a lot, way more than female. For me, you know, I think that sometimes maybe people. Yeah, I, I do. I think people may manifest something of their own while they're there. For me personally, I, I had so much happening there from seeing un- unidentified flying objects in the sky to being chased by a spirit and having the man, an EVP of a man saying, gonna get you when I was being chased. And just so many different things when when I went, they actually were able to, there were a ton of people, so I was kind of bummed out because I was like, the more people you have, the more debunking you have to do, the more that you have to, it makes it a lot harder when you're listening to the evidence after the fact. And so I was pretty bummed out about that, but they were actually like, okay, we're going to do group A and group B. So it cut that in half immediately. So that made me a little happier, but there were still probably a good 40 people. And so I was like, that's still a ton of people, way too many for me. Like even for me, 10 people's a lot. Like I see paranormal groups who have like 15 people or something. And I'm just like, that's crazy. But I, you know, I mean, to each their own. But for me, I just know for a fact that I couldn't work that way. But then they're like, okay, so for the first 20 minutes, we're going to group A, we're, we're on the first three, you know, on the first three floors, and I'm going to give you a little history lesson. And then we're going to do some free roaming, you get to go wherever you want. And honestly, when that happened, Waverly is so huge and massive, that even though there's a bunch of people, if you're free roaming, it's rare when you see or hear somebody else. And so when you do, you just kind of like, you know, wave and nod and just like go somewhere else or something. And so I would recommend Waverly for, for anybody. I would just say make sure to call instead of go online because their hours are always kind of funky. But yeah, it's a definitely a place to put on the old paranormal bucket list for sure. It is. I just want to, because I like the history of it. Yeah. You know, you read so much about that type of stuff, and even like, like you read about the big, the big ones. Like Waverly is one of them. The hotel from what am I thinking of? The Jack Nicholson movie. What am I? The Shining is another big one. Oh, the Stanley um, Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you know, you even have like up in up here. You have why is my my brain is not working for names today. <laughs> the the building that they filmed uh, Rose Red in is up here, and mm. you know that's another big paranormal spot for people. And so you like check the big ones off, and I'm always interested in the history of the building, right? Because the history will tell you a lot more <laughs> about what happened <laughs> to the people that live there. And you know, like I went down to Oak Alley when I was when I was down in Louisiana. Oh, I love Oak um, Alley. I've been there four times. I love that place. Oh, really? Yeah. Stayed there? Oh, my God. I love, so, like, that was one of my favorite things on my trip was getting to stay there, and when you're roaming around at night, and you're just like, what is happening here? Like, is there is there people wandering? I had, like, an incident where I thought, like, I thought somebody was running up the, the walkway at me. I was out by the slave cabins, and I thought somebody was running up on me, mm. and I was like, what the heck? 
and I figured out it was an armadillo. Are you serious? <laughs> wow. No, yes, there was this cute little armadillo, and I love armadillos. I think they're so cute. And I was just like, I was just like, I turned around, and I'm just like, is somebody running up on me? Okay, I'm just going to stay here, because I'm not one, I, I, I've only once ever been like, I am not going anywhere near this spirit. I'm going to stay right here behind this door. They don't want me over there. I'm not going. And so I, most of the time, if a spirit is running up on me or coming at me, I'm going to just stand there if I get that feeling that they're coming. And that's, so that's what I did. Here's this cute little armadillo just rustling through the leaves. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) But I loved it out there. And the, the people are so sweet and so nice and I just love it. I love the whole culture of Louisiana, especially Southern Louisiana. And I'm getting to go back there in March, so I'm super excited. But like, and you hear those stories of like the Lowry Mansion and the. So I always think that there's like big ones that you have to go to Whitney Mansion, Whitney, Whitney Plantation, that are you know on the haunted Myrtle Plantation. Yeah. But then I also like talking to the locals and going. Where do you know? <laughs> like, right. Like, I have to say that it was really sweet. I reached out to one of, like, the TV uh, ghost hunting groups, and I reached out to one of the guys on one of them. I don't want to say his name because I don't have his permission to say it, so I reached out to him just on Facebook, and I just said, I'm going to be in your area. I'm going to be in Tennessee. I'm going to be anywhere. <laughs> I don't want to even say where I'm going to be. Um, I was like, I'm just going to be there. Where would you recommend? And he's like, there is a great local place, and he told me about it. And unfortunately, I didn't make it to that side of the state, so I was super sad. But I love to, like, just reach out and, you know, to local people. Like, you were asking me about Washington local haunts, and I'm not a good expert on that. So, yeah. So I don't want to talk on that. I, You know, there's a little critter that lives down in Rodondo Beach. But I like to, like, hear about that because... I'm more interested in the history of the building, like what would cause the haunt, like what was happening to that family, what happened to that building, what happened, how did, and that's the big thing. And I wrote it in the bio, it was like, I'm always curious about how people died and where they're buried. And I'm always curious about that. If they were buried on, were they buried on the plantation? Were they not buried on the plantation? How did they die? Did they die in this building? What led up to their death? What, you know? So when I hear about hauntings, because I, I, like you said, Waverly it gives you so many different things that happen, and it's different for everybody. And I think, I think that if I went to a property and you said X Y Z happened, and I shouldn't expect X Y Z to happen unless it's on a loop, unless it's just imprinted on the building, I can't go in and expect that same thing to happen. So I always think about that and just go, okay, this happened to this person. And you just tell, you know, I, I've been in buildings that have been haunted and I'm just like, I'm here. Hello. I'm here. I'm just here to do this. And, and then when I leave, I say, I hope you have a wonderful night. I'm going home. Please don't follow me. (laughs) Right. Um, Absolutely. So so I always find that interesting because I always find that usually the buildings that have been labeled as haunted have the most colorful history, even if they're not well known. Yeah. <laughs> like, even in our town up here, so I, so the town neighboring to us, when I first moved here, I learned that it was called Little Chicago. Mm. And I went, what do you mean it was called Little Chicago? They go, it was Little Chicago because of all the brothels and all of the, 
all of the gambling and all of the, and I'm just like, there right. has to be, I'm just, I'm totally like, this has to be, there has to be local places that are haunted, but unfortunately, like, they're all closed because of COVID. So, like, even the brothel museum up the road from us is closed because of COVID. And I love brothel museums. I find them so fascinating. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, maybe that's Nevada, and me being like, go brothels. <laughs> no there's Um, some brothel museums out here in colorado too there's one place in there's a place called cripple creek and a bunch of neat things there the brothel the old brothel that's now a museum and just a a really neat place for sure but yeah I, i just love like you learning about the history and haunted history and who died here and what other events took place and just different things like that. But I guess the world's our oyster because it's just filled with different places. Whatever country you're in, there's always like something, you know, and um, I think that's really neat. I'll have to have you back on the podcast again because there's just so much more to talk about, you know? I would love to talk to you like about if you ever have an episode down the road about different culture death practices. Yeah, that would be cool. That's so fascinating. And I would love to like talk to you about your experiences with different century practices. Like, because like some of the, some of the hauntings I think are related into how we cared for our dead, especially like in the old West. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) They can be sometimes really brutal, but no, this has been fun. Yeah, we'll definitely do it again. Thank you so much. So big shout out to Bree Blackstone for for being on and talked about a lot of interesting things. Okay. What a neat gal for sure. Absolutely adore hearing people's encounters. And she definitely had a ton to share. (laughs) So did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes. Listen to the others, you guys. They are all spectacular. Haven't heard every single one yet. No need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen right now. Just head on over to any of the podcast platforms, such as CastBox, Apple Podcast, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Podcast Republic, Wherever you may roam to listen to your other podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Canton, Texas, Folsom, California, Healdsburg, California, Canuck, England, and Beattyville, Kentucky. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I really appreciate it. Come and stop back by for the newest episodes. See you next week.